You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. the way that his men put the blame upon David, how did he respond? But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So, again, how did David respond? Well, simply, and this is the suggestion here, he laid everything before the Lord. As is indicated by that phrase, he strengthened himself. That is, he made himself strong in God. Do you feel weary, burdened, or just simply weak? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Mike, he shares with you the importance of looking to the Lord for strength. If you look to yourself and your own flesh, you will have to keep up in your own flesh. However, when you look to the Lord, His strength will sustain you. Pastor Mike encourages you that you tap into a source that is much deeper and powerful when you go to God. The Lord is limitless in strength, and He will give you what you need. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 29. As he begins his message, God proves Himself faithful. So 1 Samuel chapter 29, verses 1 through 5. Then the Philistines gathered together all of their armies at Aphek, and the Israelites encamped by a fountain, which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands. So quite a large group. But David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achash. So David and his men, those mercenaries, Uh, Guns for Hire, who sort of joined themselves to David, are now a part of the Philistine army. Verse 3, Then the princes of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews, referring to David and his men, doing here? And Achash said to the princes of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this day I have found no fault in him, since he defected uh, to me. So the king knew that he had David and his men in his pocket. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him, with Achash. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow, referring to David, return, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him. That would have been in the city of Ziglag, which is one of the Philistine uh, territories. And do not let him go down with us to battle. For in the battle... He might become our adversary. For with what uh, could he reconcile himself to his master 
if not with the heads of these men? Is this not David of whom they sang to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands? So once again, this morning's message, the title is God Proves Himself uh, Faithful. Okay, so let me uh, once again uh, go back a little bit. Uh, a few days prior to King Saul's visit to Endor, remember the witch of Endor that we were introduced to in our last uh, Bible study? It's recorded first in chapter 28. And by the way, if you are here for the first time, or if you haven't been around for the last couple of weeks, all of our previous messages of all of these previous chapters have been recorded and are archived on our website. So you can just catch up on all of what we've been talking about, all of the lessons that we've learned, all of the you know, territory that we've already uh, covered uh, leading up to this morning's uh, chapters. And so I'd encourage you to, to do that. So anyway, uh, last time together, prior to King Saul's visit to Endor, to ascertain the future as he's about to engage the Philistines in this battle to see how the, what the outcome of this battle might be, he's turning to a spiritist, a medium. Why was that? Because he forfeited his ability to hear from God. Why? Because of his disobedience. Remember, I think last week's message, the title is, When God Doesn't Hear. And I can't think of anything worse than that. Could you imagine you know, making our petitions to God, to known to God through prayer, and God you know, turns his back upon us because of our disobedience? You see, sin, the truth of the matter is just sin separates us from God. And Saul right now, uh, in this time in his life, is living in uh, sin. And also, after the different divisions, as is recorded here for us in this chapter, of the Philistine army passed in review before the lords of the Pentapolis. And the Pentapolis, remember in one of our future uh, past studies, we talked about how that the Pentapolis were five major cities of the Philistines. They included Gath, at that time was the capital uh, city of the Philistines, Ekron. Ashkelon, Ashdod, and Gaza. And when they saw David, that is the lords of the Philistines, and his men among their own ranks and troops, they questioned the wisdom of having these Hebrews in the midst of their own forces. And so these lords challenged King Achish. Okay, go back to verses 3 and 4. And I want to zero in on that phrase. Notice there in verse 3. Let's go back to it one more time. And notice the lords of the Philistines asked the king, Achish, what are these Hebrews doing here? In other words, they knew that it wasn't right for David and his men to be among them. You know, considering who they were, what they stood for, how that they were servants of Jehovah uh, God. You know, F.B. Meyer, one of my favorite authors, anything that you can get your hand on that F.B. Meyer uh, has written in a commentary form. I'd encourage you to you know, uh, get it, and it would make a great addition to any uh, Christian's uh, library. But F.B. Meyer commenting on this uh, phrase uh, here uh, in uh, verse uh, 3, that is, what are these Hebrews doing here? You know, it is very uh, terrible when the children of the world, relating to the Philistines, have a higher sense of Christian propriety and fitness than Christians themselves. And say to one another, what are these Hebrews doing here? Or 
the contemporary uh, equivalent of this would be, I thought that they were Christians. What are these Christians doing here? Because obviously they're in the wrong place, and they're doing the wrong thing. And uh, we don't ever want to put ourselves in a place where non-believers are viewing us in this kind of a fashion. You know, I thought that they stood for, you know, something than what everyone else is uh, doing, and uh, something that's out of the ordinary, uh, something that doesn't convey the idea of what a Christian is or what a Christian uh, looks like. Well, anyway, in vain, the king of Gath, Achish, assured them of David's faithfulness. The lords were thinking this would be a good opportunity for David to get back in the good graces of Saul, the king of Israel. Notice there in verse 4, by turning on them in the heat of the battle. So this is what they were concerned about. Right in the midst of going up against the Israelites, you know, David would have a change of heart, and he would begin to fight against the Philistines. They thought the risk was too great. They were thinking, how can we trust in someone who in the past killed myriads of Philistines? Well, anyway, in all of this, we see God's mercy. We see God's sovereignty. In what way? Well, in preventing David from having to go out and fight against his own countrymen. So I'm going to give you just a, you know, I'm going to uh, give you the first answer to that question that I asked you before. Let's count the different ways that God has shown himself faithful to David. Well, here is the first uh, way. Remember, at this time, David had actually become a vassal of the Philistine uh, king. He is under his protection. He is under his provision. Uh, remember, he made it the city of Ziglag, which was in, uh, a part of Philistine territory available to David and his men. And so David felt obligated when asked to join the ranks of the Philistines to go against his own countrymen. So what's going on here? Well, God is using these Philistine leaders, these lords, who take exception to David and his men being a part of this battle, to extricate David from this dilemma. Well, reluctantly, Achash yielded to the pressure that was placed upon him, and he approaches David in a very gracious manner. Okay, let's go back to our text and read verses 6 and 7. Then Achash called David and said to him, Surely, as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and you're going out and you're coming in with me, and the army is good in my sight. For to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Remember when he was escaping Saul, who was seeking to take his life. Because he knew that God had chosen David to ascend to the throne in Saul's place because of his disobedience. And so he had no other place to turn except to the Philistines. Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you. Therefore, verse 7, return now and go in peace, in other words, go back to Ziglag, that you may not displease the lords of the uh, Philistines. You know, think about this. You know, there was a time when everything that David did was to displease the Philistine lords. But now he is all about helping his one-time enemy. Isn't that true? Well, although David was greatly relieved, he could not allow Achish's, uh, Achish to know his true feelings. And so notice his response. It is framed in the form of a question. And it's recorded first there in verse 8. 
So David said to Achish, but what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as Lord, uh, as long as I have been with you, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king? And so David's words drew further praise from the king, verses 9 and 10. Then Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to battle. Now, therefore, this was the counsel of the king given to David. Now, therefore, arise early in the morning with your master's servants, the uh, 600 armed men that accompanied David, these mercenaries, these guns for hire, who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, uh, depart. And so early in the morning, before the camp got busy, with a sense of relief, David and his men set out for Ziglag, the territory previously assigned to uh, David and his men by the uh, king. And then notice, according to verse 11, we are told exactly uh, that. Now that leads us to chapter 30, and let's go ahead and and begin by reading verses 1 through 6. Now what happened when David and his men came to Ziglag, okay, so now they've gone from the ranks of the Philistines, they're heading back home uh, to the city of Ziglag from whence they came, and on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag, and burned it with fire. And obviously, David left the city unguarded to join the ranks of the Philistines. And this was the outcome. The Amalekites had come when David and his men had left, and it was unguarded. And so what did they do? They burned the city to the ground. And also notice in verse 2, they had taken captive the women, the wives of those 600 men, and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. You know, if you think about it, this is sort of like poetic justice. Because remember, just prior to what we are reading here in chapter uh, 29 and 30, David and his men actually became like a bunch of marauders. And uh, we'll get into some of that information in just, just a moment. But they would raid these various cities, and they would take all of, all of what they were able to take uh, from them as they raided those cities, and they would kill all of the inhabitants of the cities, men, women, and children as uh, well. So really what's going on here uh, is sort of like poetic uh, justice. You know, the Bible tells us, whatsoever a man reaps, uh, or rather whatsoever a man sows, that also shall he reap. Well, we're seeing this principle come to pass here in David's experience. And so in verse 3, So David and his men came to the city, Ziglag, and there it was burned with the fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. So Ziglag at this point is actually sort of like a ghost town. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive as well. Okay, so let's back up. As David and his men arrived back to what was their home there in the city of Ziglag, 
they found that it had been attacked by the Amalekites. And probably the reason why the Amalekites had attacked David was in retaliation for David's raids upon their uh, people. Remember, as I, as I had mentioned before, when David and his group acting as marauders, when they would come into a city, you know, they would just ransack it. They would take all of the booty for themselves and they would leave no witnesses behind. Uh, let me give you a cross-reference uh, for this. So they exterminated some of those tribes that were a part of the Amalekites. If you quickly go back with me to chapter 27, just to validate what I had just mentioned, in chapter 27, in verses 8 and uh, 9, there we read, And David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. There's the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, and the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achash. So again, the Amalekites, in retaliation, uh, came to Ziglag and burned it uh, to the uh, ground. So that's what's going on here. And so the city is ransacked, burned to the ground. The women and children are carried away to be sold as slaves or kept to serve the needs and sensual desires of those who suddenly became their masters. And David and his men are sorely grieved. Notice in verse 4, they're weeping, they're crying out. They're also thinking, this is all David's fault. So they put the blame entirely upon David. You see, they never wanted to go out with Achash to battle in the first place. And they were thinking if David would have declined the king's request or had left a few hundred men behind to protect the city, this would have never happened. But again, David had no choice as a vassal of King Achash. And so these men are thinking of their precious families and it's just killing them. They're numb with shock. You can only imagine they really didn't know, you know what was going to happen to their loved ones, their wives, their children, whom they loved. And so these malcontents, these men who were a part of David's army, they blamed David for their present distress. And they're talking about stoning him. Verse 6, let's pick up now in verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons, and his daughters, and I love the way that David reacted, and we're going to come back to this because this is one of the main features and points of this morning's message. Notice we read there, this is the way that David responded uh, to the way that his men put the blame upon David. How did he respond? But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So, again, how did David respond? Well, simply... And this is the suggestion here. He laid everything before the Lord. As is indicated by that phrase, he strengthened himself. That is, he made himself strong in God. You know, I couldn't help but think as I was you know, uh, you know, putting this message together, another fellow, another Bible character, Moses. Remember during the time of the Exodus out of Egypt in Rephidim, when uh, they had been traveling through the wilderness. And on that one occasion, when they uh, found themselves at Rephidim, they had no water to drink. And they began to complain. They began to uh, murmur against 
uh, Moses. And they cried out, Moses, have you brought us out here into the wilderness uh, to perish? And they, like David, sought to uh, stone him. So it's sort of the same dilemma that Moses and David found themselves both uh, in. And by the way, that's recorded first in the book of Exodus in chapter 17 in verse 4. You know, I want to give you a couple of cross-references for this. And this is the way that we strengthen ourselves in our own life's experience. When trouble comes a-knocking, when we have no place to turn, when it seems as if everybody has turned against us, and when we're facing an enemy that's larger than ourselves, we turn to the Scriptures, and there we are encouraged. This is the way that we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We turn to the Word of God. Let me give you a couple of cross-references, and these will be broadcast up here on the screen. The first of which is recorded first in the book of Psalms. And by the way, when you're going through a really bad time, go to the book of Psalms. Of all of the, book of, all of the books of the Bible, go to the book of Psalms. Because that book and all of the Psalms that are contained within it were written out of men's experiences who were going through difficult times. And I, and I, I, I trust that you'll find some great encouragement and counsel there that it will enable you to be able to deal with your problems. So anyway, the first cross-reference in the 27th Psalm, in verse 14, we are told, wait on the Lord, and that's exactly what David did. You know, the truth of the matter is he didn't have any other recourse other than to just wait on the Lord. In other words, you know, don't take matters into your own hands. Just wait on the Lord. You know, God will be with you. God will provide for you. God will go before you. He will defeat your enemies. Be of good courage. You know, don't fear uh, what other people might do to you, your circumstances, what they might do to you. Be of good courage. Just wait upon the Lord. And I know, listen, I, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you this is not an easy occupation, right? And uh, you're looking for answers and solutions, and you're grasping for you know, those answers and solutions, right? You're turning everywhere. Well, listen, isn't it funny about human nature? Usually we go to the Lord as a last resort. When the truth of the matter is, he should always be our first resort. And uh, anyway, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. And that's exactly what God did for David during this time. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So the 27th Psalm in verse uh, 14. Now, what does all of this look like? You know, strengthening ourselves in the Lord, waiting on the Lord. What does that suggest to us? What does that look like? Well, David simply reassured himself of the Lord's plans for his future. And what were those plans? What, what, uh, what did those plans entail for David? God wasn't finished with David. David was going to be the next king of Israel. And so David reminded himself of that and reassured Father's house, there's a place for me in my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of 1 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online. Just go to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or 
Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today. And we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.